Our second reading is from Matthew chapter 5, verse 33 through 37. You can find this in the Pew Bible on page 963 and in your bulletin. Hear the words of God. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simple, yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. This is the word of the Lord. Credibility gaps are not creation of modern times. Credibility means having the confidence to believe what another says. Credibility gaps have always existed since the fall and remain one of the biggest hallmarks of the worldly system. And Satan is the prince of this world and he is not only a liar but rather the father of lies. It should not surprise us that the worldly system is characterized by lying. It is a consequence of all men being born into sin and having lying in their nature. The lack of natural credibility is even exposed by popular soap operas, movies, music, and advertising in general. In every truth, fantasy and falsehood are mixed in an imaginable way. The frightening truth about this is that virtually everyone is suspect. Businessmen, advertisers, commentators, receptionists, salespeople, lawyers, doctors, shareholders, professors, politicians, and many, if not most, preachers. Our entire society is largely built on chain of manipulation of the truth. We wipe the truth, we create, we exaggerate, we evade the income tax, we make promises that we have no intention of keeping, we make excuses, and we betray the trust of many. Yet, Some societies have realized this and found the real truth is needed. Courts of law require witnesses to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Without the truth, even apparent justice becomes impossible. As a result of the importance of the truth, lying or slander is considered a serious crime in some countries with severe penalties. And even criminal organizations that survive through lies and schemes demand truth among themselves. The human being is only inclined to the truth when it benefits him in some way. However, 
Everyone in society has always somehow learned the importance of the truth. Like the, the great Roman orator Cicero said, truth is the highest thing that men can experience. Unfortunately, for many people, this is an infrequent experience. And also, Daniel Webster wrote, there is nothing more powerful than the truth, and of course, nothing more rare. So when we observe this precious Bible passage, we realize that the Jews of Jesus' day understood the idea of truth, established as a moral principle. However, in practice, they were under a system of tradition which, through the centuries, distorted God's law to fulfill their sinful perspective and purpose. So in Matthew 5, 33 to 37, the Lord exposes the continued distortion of the religious and the contradiction of the divine revelation they claimed to love and teach. So in these five verses, Jesus presents the original teaching of the law, and after that he presents the distortion the Jewish tradition made in the commandments, and finally he emphasizes the truth that the word of God has always taught. So what was the principle of the Mosaic law? When we observe back verse 33, you have also heard what was said to your ancestors. You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. The traditional teaching that Jesus quotes here is based on Leviticus 19 verse 12. And the two oaths mentioned here come from the two different but related Greek words. The first is the verb Epiochio, which means perjure, or falsely swear to make false vows. And the second comes from the noun horkos, which literally means to enclose as with a fence or put together. The truth about an oath or a vow is enclosed, bound, and therefore strengthened by that which is invoked on its behalf. Clear description of an oath is given to us in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verse 16. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So, an oath is a practice where the name of something or someone superior to the speaker is invoked to give credibility to the speaker. Every oath that calls God as a witness is intended to give credibility to the truth or to avenge the lie. God allowed oaths to be sworn in his name as we mentioned in Leviticus 19.12. And many Old Testament saints, men of God, they used oaths. Like Abraham confirmed his promises to the king of Sodom. David and Jonathan called God as a witness to the covenant of friendship 
they had made with each other. And also David himself swore, swore to and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob. All these great men of God and many others that I didn't mention used oaths to reaffirm their faith and commitment with God and with other people. But we realize that God himself took oaths on certain occasions. But God also did not take an oath because his word was questionable. But because he wanted to demonstrate a certain urgency and importance to some promises. And also our Savior Jesus. When he was teaching in his ministry, uh, we find a very common expression when he says, Truly, I say to you. And other times, he used a more emphatic expression, Truly, truly, I say to you. To call attention to some special teaching. So God provided the oaths, doing his name as an accommodation to the sinful nature, which is so prone to deceit and lie. Without any prohibition, Hebrews 6.16 states the place of proper oaths. God knows that the human inclination to lie causes men to discredit one another. So, in a serious situation, an oath is allowed to give great motivation to fulfill the challenge. We take oaths in marriage with God as witness. Most of us, when we married, we took an oath uh, before people and God. And I believe you remember that day. We should. So, and for this reason... Keeping one's vows to God is a mark of a true worshiper. The children of God hate lies. And we should keep our oaths before God and before men. Obviously, an oath, no matter how strong the words used are, is only true if what you do is telling the truth. We have bad examples. Like Peter, when he was in the court of the temple at the time when Jesus was being betrayed, Peter used an oath as a profanation of God's name as he used it, to try, trying to bring credibility to his lie when he swore that he didn't know Jesus. So, oaths were allowed when were used in the right way. But what was the provision made by the rabbinical tradition? The Jewish tradition that Jesus mentions in verse 33 appears to be biblical. But it had many flaws compared to what the Old Testament taught. First, the tradition had lost the ingredient. And second, it had changed. The emphasis. The missing ingredient was a circumstance fit for taking an oath. As they used it for any trivial reason. People could declare anything and promise with an oath. Having no qualms about 
providing a way for every lie and breaking their words. Insincere vows become so common that no one took them seriously. So instead of being a brand of credibility, it has become a brand of deception. Lying to each other was very, very common among the Jewish tradition in Jesus' day. The people who used to call belonged to God and served God. Were using oaths just to uh, excuse themselves and deceive people. So the emphasis was changed. It was to limit honest vows to the name of the Lord. Vows made directly to him on his name. Keeping those vows was mandatory though. Keeping the others was optional. So the vowing system was like a fight of giants. People swore by heaven, by the earth, by the temple, by the hair of their heads, or by anything else they believed would impress others and make them gain an advantage. Those who practiced them believed it was acceptable as long as it was not done in the name of the Lord. So using created things, they thought it was okay. I can swear by heaven, I can swear by the earth, I can swear by Jerusalem or anything else. They thought they were not breaking the commandments in Leviticus 19.12, when the Lord said, Do not swear falsely by my name, thus profaning the name of your God, I am the Lord. But then Jesus presented to them the real deep perspective regarding oaths and regarding our integrity. When he said in verse 34, But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simple yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. So, in contrast to all these distortion of God's will, Jesus only corrected correct the distortion of the Old Testament principle that had been corrupted by tradition. And when he used the expression in Greek, meholos, which in, includes all oaths, was Jesus forbidding any kind of oaths? Was Jesus just changing what many men of God in the past did, and even himself? Not at all. The scholar William Hendrickson says, What we have here is the commendation of the condemnation of the irreverent, profane, unnecessary, and even hypo hypocritical oaths. Used to impress everyday conversation. Above all evil, Jesus simply recommends the truth in thought, word, and deed. 
And in the light of the Old Testament, Jesus' words in declaring truly, truly, was a kind of an oath. And as I said, our God made oath for his people. And also the Apostle Paul in the early church gave us a kind of oath. In Romans 9 verse 1, he said, I tell the truth in Christ and do not lie. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. So, Paul called Christ and the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses. So, according to the principle, we cannot swear by any other name than that of God. Nor by heavens, because it is the throne of God. Nor by the earth, for it is his footstool. Nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. We cannot swear by our heads, for we cannot make him hair white or black. All these things were used by the Jews to make their oaths less grievous. This common attitude was condemned and rebuked by the Lord on Matthew 23 when he spoke with the Pharisees, he said, Woe to you, blind guides, who say, If anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swear by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swear by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So in these texts, Jesus demonstrates that God is the creator and Lord of all things. And is the God of truth in all things. To call any part of his creation to support a lie is a dishonor to God himself. And could not be done. The biggest mistake was in inventing enough to emphasize a lie when the real purpose was just the opposite. God has no different categories between secular and sacred. For everything he, cre he created is sacred. As William Barclay says, God is not divided into compartments where in some he is involved and in others he is not. So we cannot have one kind of language in the church and another in the factory or at the office. There cannot be one kind of conduct in the church and another in the business world. As if God is invited into some areas of our lives and stays out of the other. The truth is that He's everywhere in every activity of life. There are no degrees of truth. A half-truth is a complete lie. There is no excuse. For God is... For God, the truth has to be absolute. Of all people, he desires the truth within. 
Among the things he specially detests is a lying tongue, as we find in Proverbs 6, 16. The Lord hates lying lips, but delights in those who speak the truth. Truth is a non-negotiable principle of God who is in all things, not just in oaths, but even in basic everyday conversation with your best friend. He's there. And in everyday conversation, let what you say be simple, yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Means, church, that every word spoken must be true. And the common word must be as true as an oath. So I have some practical considerations. Lying can be an extremely difficult and subtle sin. And wisdom is important. Where is our hearts? Where, where is our heart? After we say things to people this week, let us carefully think about what we said. Was our heart desired to serve them? Or just give them smooth words so they would not have to deal. We would not have to deal with their reaction. Sometimes we have impressions. We have truths to say, but we know. Whenever we say the truth, it will bring us problems, conflicts. And sometimes we just avoid to tell the truth because we don't want to spend energy arguing and talking with that person. We do not need to be harsh telling the truth. Rather, we need to be wise and speak in love. If our mother-in-law has a bad hair day, maybe speaking the truth is not loving in that moment. But when the bad hair day just go, goes away, talk about that in love, with sincerity. Then, when we speak to others, is our intent to leave them believing something different from what we do? Is hiding a part of the truth? Basically omitting something important, lying to them? Where is our hearts? Honesty or deception? As children of truth, we need to be very watchful of the little lies for convenience. Again, where is our heart? A store clerk does not need a five-minute rendition of the whole truth. I remember that in one of the churches I pastored, by discretion, I won't say the country, a sister once asked to sing a solo during the offertory, and I allowed, but I never had seen how she would perform. And few times in my life, I have seen someone so out of tone. It was horrible. And I need to confess that not bursting with laugh, uh, laugh 
was one of the toughest tests of self-control in these 20 years of ministry. While many brothers and sisters were just hiding their face before the disaster. And to make matters worse, at the end of the service, she came after me and asked, Pastor, how was it? Did you like it? What should I say? How should I react? And I just told her, dear sister, could we talk tomorrow? And when she came, I told her, I'm so glad as your pastor to observe your willingness to serve the Lord and use gifts uh, to extend his kingdom. And I'm quite sure there are many different areas in our church that the Lord will use you. But not singing. He didn't give you this gift. Don't be sad. We are a body and we can serve in different areas. She cried for three days. <laughs> but I'm quite sure the Lord healed her heart and she started to serve in different areas. We need to be sincere in love. But also, we need to be careful. The truth must be said in what the Bible says is truth. We have some gray areas in life regarding opinions and decisions that the Bible doesn't have a clear commandment. We should not express our opinion as truth and just hurting people with our opinion. We need wisdom to share our opinion in love and let the Holy Spirit guide that person in their own decisions. And lastly, never ever use the holy name of our God in vain in an attempt to bring credibility to our comments or simple commitments. If you use the name of the Lord in establishing the truth, of your statement, be fully aware that you are doing this before the Lord's eyes. Be watchful. Generally, let your yes be yes and your no, no. At the beginning of the sermon, we shared about the lack of integrity most people display in their speech. The truth is mainly honored when it is convenient. But as children of God, we need to reflect His character also in our speech by always, always telling the truth in love. Remembering that one day, as it was shared in our first reading, all of us will live forever in the new Jerusalem that will be called the city of truth. Let all of us pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help us behave as children of truth. We live tough times where many non-Christians do not respect God's truth. They hate. And many of them seek to destroy God's church. We should not, for or by convenience... Just shut our mouths and do not tell them the truth. 
Let's tell the truth in love. Even though if they come to hate us more and more, we will love them in the hope that the Holy Spirit one day will reach their hearts and change their lives. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we praise you for your truth. Your truth is light to our way, our path, and guide our hearts. Lord, forgive us when we lie by convenience, by not sharing the truth, omitting the truth. Help us as your children, honor the truth. But not our opinion, give us wisdom, Lord, to discern what is your truth and where we should state it and what is our personal opinion and how we should share with wisdom, mainly with younger people who don't have the same experience of life that we have. Oh Lord, give us a courageous heart to face all the lies the devil is spreading in this crazy world regarding life, values, family. May your church stand and tell the truth in love that life is important, no matter in what stage, even in the womb. Give us a courageous heart to defend your truth and also preach the good news of salvation for those who don't know you yet. Bless your church and give us the opportunity to be instruments on your hands. This we pray in the name of our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, beloved church, stand with me as we sing our 